Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. Every episode, I invite you to tune in while I host a different guest to share their experience working in the music industry. Today, we will be discussing the business of artist relations. My name is Sydney, and this is The Setup. Let me start by introducing you to my guest, Corey Lorenz. Corey has been the artist relations manager for Sure Professional Audio for the last 20 years. Thank you for joining us, Corey. How's everything going? Doing okay. Trying to, uh, you know, keep busy on the work from home quarantine. <laughs> How are you spending your free time now that you have a little bit more of it? Lots of cooking, making pizza. That's probably the main thing that I do in this house. And then my daughter's helping to cook as well. So we're teaching her. School doesn't last as long as it typically has. So we're trying to now teach her other things around the house. Can't wait for this to be over, really. Watching any shows? So we watched The Tiger King, which everybody in oh the world has. <laughs> it's a great time to catch up on all of those TV shows. Uh, funny enough, I actually have not started Tiger King. I've seen a lot of memes, though, so I feel like I'm completely <sighs> up to speed. You still have to watch it. It's crazy and then crazier and then craziest. And it's just, it's like a car crash. You really cannot <laughs> look away. And you, you, no way this is actually happening right now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that's not going to go away. That feels like a staple of America now. Just kind of sad, though. <laughs> <laughs> it that really that's, is. That that's what we have as, as a representation of, of this quarantine is Tiger King. So anyway, <laughs> um, when we're not doing that, we're listening to a lot of music. There's speakers everywhere, so there's no excuse not to have a radio on both playing it and 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 listening to it if, as much as we possibly can. What type of music are you listening to? Well, you know, I I have a 10-year-old daughter, so I, I have to indulge in, in the uh, the the pop hits of today. Then we'll go back into like some Led Zeppelin, Black Crows. I put a turntable in, in my garage, my my man cave, if you will. A lot of the records we have are old, so that's the first thing we did was we put on a Led Zeppelin record, as you do. In the age of, of everybody staying home, trying to play music with your friends over a conference call, that's a whole nother conversation that you could turn into another episode of your podcast, by the way. But it is a pain in the butt. How many people did you try at the conference it call It was going to be four of us. Thought we had figured it out with the two of us. The third shows up. And then everything just went to complete hell. I'm sure with the, the new technology and you just would never expect yeah. this. And it seems simple enough. A couple of people, a couple of cameras, computers, and your instrument. And it should be easy. No, it's not <laughs> that easy, kids. No. For everyone listening that is new to the music world, Sure is a manufacturer of premier quality audio products like microphones and headsets. Pretty much they are behind the quality sound that an artist can create at a performance and music videos at home for content. I actually attended a live podcast with guest appearances from emerging artists like Kaina at Schur's For Those Who Tour House in Lincoln Park. And For Those Who Tour House is one of the coolest places I've seen 
because it is a home essentially for traveling artists to crash when they pass through Chicago. It is completely stocked with a recording studio, bunk beds for the crew and equipment to use. And Corey is part of the pro audio team. And that means he builds relationships with artists and their team to provide the best equipment for their performances. So Corey, why did you choose to pursue artist relations with a brand like Sure? Well, you know, I I don't think that I came into this wanting to pursue it initially. I think like you, I was a fan of the company and I pursued a PR uh, job and I just sent a letter and a resume to sure. I don't even know if they were hiring. I didn't care. I knew they were in Illinois. I don't care where, how far they were. It turned out it was a 40 mile drive for me. Yeah. And I remember they called and I said, I'll, I'll be right there. No, 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 no. We'll schedule something. I'm like, no, I'm in the car. I'm coming right now. I mean, I was ready. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at this artist relations gig is like, Oh, that's the rock and roll job. And everybody talked about that job but nobody wanted to do that job. You were always out nights, weekends. It didn't matter. There was a show in town and you had to go because that was before, you know, all this other technology and social media and everything else. So you had to be out there. I didn't care. That didn't bother me. So I started to kind of slowly do more projects with them. If I could, I was, you know, starting to work with them on, on this magazine that we used to have called on tour with shore. And it was published about three to four times a year. And I would go out and, and I would start interviewing the engineers that worked with some of the artists. And then I would interview some of the artists. And then it became video interviews, but we would transcribe these interviews and put them into a magazine. Other than stories you'd hear in, in the industry or in the hallways about artist relations, nobody really knew what these guys did. They did whatever the hell they wanted is what they did. And everybody goes like, man, that's so cool. It's so dark and mysterious. And they party on the bus and they hang out with these guys who are rock gods. Totally not true. So anyway, I, I, this book, this, the, the window into their world. And, and it kind of really helped elevate that relationship. And then it kind of really helped to sell the idea that we should work with artists and products. There was no really, uh, there was no real accountability. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's this magazine. Oh, there's this picture. Oh, there's this quote. And it was like, oh, let's gather all these things and let's put them into other, other things like an ad or a website or a, and then it, it kind of evolved. My boss decided to buy a pizza place in Belize and leave the country. And I had to take over artist relations. And when I got in, you know, we were working with artists that were pretty dated. We weren't really talking to the right generation. I mean, this is a 95-year-old company if you, if you go by today's date. You know, the, the younger demographic that sure really wanted, we didn't have their artists. That's what we did. We started bringing in more artists like Phoenix and Matt and Kim and, and Cage the Elephant and all these other bands that were kind of really popping. And we would just keep asking, asking more and, and, letting the, and, and seeing what we would get. And we were, we were just more receptive to letting people use us and include us in their projects because we... We were more open to that. You know, we understood like this is a valuable thing that we have. And it all of a sudden became the sexiest job at Sure all over again. How did you develop <clears throat> these new relationships, these newer artists? We had an outside agency that would help us curate some of these relationships. And in this business, it really, it tends to be quite incestuous because a lot of people know a lot of people, right? And engineers bounce from one artist, one, 
you know, group of people. And sometimes they're doing front of house, sometimes they're doing monitors, but they don't know who I am. And I wasn't going to just, you know, cold call everybody, but I had this agency who had connections, if you will, and they were starting to bring artists to the table. That went on for a little while. And then I think people started to know who I was in the business. And so word spread, people talk, people that I didn't know would leave another band and go to another band and so on and so forth. So I knew a small group of people who just, from there, you can introduce to more people and, and they kind of spread things around and I don't need this company anymore. But it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, once you, once you get yourself in this industry and people know who you are and you're good to them, they're not going to forget you and they're going to always bring you an opportunity. And, and that's really, I think, what happened. And that's, that's how it all really evolved. And that is so true. That's one thing I've been finding out more and more is that this industry is so tight knit. It spreads. And once you have someone's back, they have yours. So once you develop those partnerships with the artists and their teams, how do those partnerships work? It, it's always different who you talk to first. I'm going to provide gear. And you're going to provide assets. Let's call it a social media post, a video, some sort of content that we're going to want from you. A meet and greet. Uh, maybe you're going to stay at the, for those who tour house. So once that happens and we get all that lined up, we're going to want to talk with the artists to make sure that they're on, uh, on board with all that stuff. We're going to want to talk to production to make sure we're getting them the right gear. That, that they don't have any questions with the gear, that it is sure gear. You know, if anything changes in that camp, we want to make sure that the message is conveyed that, hey, this artist is a sure endorser. So that's kind of the manager and the, and the lawyer's job. So I don't know. I think everybody really kind of gets involved in this thing. And, you know, for us, we try to maintain a calendar of, of who's coming to town and what we need and what we don't have from them already you know, that's what we get. And then a lot of times during those visits, you know, sometimes you get close with the artist and sometimes you get close with the engineer and manager too. I mean, I get a lot of managers that just reach out and be like, Hey man, I hope everything's good. And remember we worked with so-and-so I got this artist now. And so, and that, and that's cool because they'll, they're, again, they're, they're bringing you an opportunity. So they are long lasting. What programs have you Worked on. Well, I think that, you know, we, we were doing a lot of, uh, like I said, we did interviews a long time ago when we had the magazine, and then we would turn these things into YouTube videos, and they were really, really cool um, because we would get B-roll, and, and we actually had some really cool interviews. Sometimes they'd have a couple of interviews in a day, which, as you do, as an artist, you probably have 12, and it's miserable, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped doing it because it's like, really, what? What, how many times are they going to answer the same questions? And what am I bringing? I'm not TMZ. I don't have any dirt. You know, I want to talk about microphones. And that's that's it. They were cool. And the artists were really engaged because this is a company that's been supporting them. Like with gear and with support. And, you know, really, it's it's a product that they use every single night. We started doing this thing called Made With Motive we go to some coffee house that wasn't quite finished being built yet. And we did a, you know, we did a recording session with shaky graves and that was really cool. And then we'd end up in, in some guy's apartment that has a beautiful grand piano and we'd bring another band in there and we'd have them, you know, do a session there. We do one at sure. We do one in an alley or a parking lot or a, or a haunted theater. And they were just another way for the, you know, the fans, you know, friends first and foremost, 
to see the artist performing. And we did we did a really cool thing with um, I mentioned the the haunted theater. There's a there's a theater above the metro called the Top Note. Uh, you can actually Google it. People have died in that theater before it was well it was a it was a Swedish men's club I believe and and really really magical place. It's always creepy. It's always eerie. The lighting's <laughs> terrible. But we decided to do B. Miller up there. It's a cool place. And I love those guys. I love that entire place. And I remember B had some friends there. And they're sitting in in the chairs. There were actually like theater chairs there. And B's on stage with her drummer who was playing guitar and her other guitar player. And they did one of her songs. And her friends just sat there like with these gaping stares like, did you just rehearse that? Or did you do this before? And she's like, no. So it's like, whoa, okay, that was cool. Those are your friends. So they really dug it. Cool, you know, and it was really cool to be a part of that. And it was really cool because the artists actually liked it. You know, they're like, whoa, is that all you're going to use? Can I hear this afterwards? And you give them headphones and they'd put it on and be like, oh, my God, that sounds really good. I can't believe it. So it was really, really fun to be a part of that. And we did, you know, we did a lot of those. If there's a bigger project, like a tour profile, then we'll actually bring our video team out. And those are the ones that we'll actually travel for. So we'll do stuff like we did one with Iron Maiden. Which, and I remember we sat down for breakfast one morning uh, with the one of the managers and one of the guys who was going to be taking over as the monitor engineer. I remember talking about, you know, their big tour and their, they need new gear. And, and I said, okay, I'm looking at this list. I go, okay, I can do all this, but I need this. They're kind of like, really? You do all that and we could get, and, and then you just want this. I said, that's all I want. What else, what else can I possibly get? You guys are a globally huge band. I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you anymore. You don't need me, but I'd like to get some cool content out of it. But Iron Maiden only rehearses once the entire tour. There's no yeah. sound check. This is, this is the day this happens. This is it. So we're like, okay. And we had this thing where like, we wanted to get some content from them. And they're like, well, you got to come down to Florida. That's the day. You're never going to see them on stage before a show ever again. You know, why not? And I had to ask that question to, to lead singer Bruce. And I got the answer, which was actually kind of funny. They don't want to fight. They don't want anybody to nitpick about how a song sounds. They don't want to change a set list. They don't want to add a new song. And here we are in this arena in Florida, 10 of us. And that includes the crew and the wives. And we got to watch the entire Iron Maiden show for three hours. I'm talking the fumbles, the airplane, the, the costume changes for three hours. But that was, their, that was their rehearsal. That was their dress rehearsal. And that was it. When that was over, done. We won't see it till showtime. So we got all this crazy B-roll. And we got to interview Nico on the drums. And we got to interview some of the techs and we got to interview Bruce and it was so much fun. It was like two days of filming, you know, and then months later from back and forth edits, your, your project comes to life. We, we have found that instead of sitting this artist down for 30 minutes and doing an interview, grab him in a hallway, give me five minutes, give me 10 minutes tops. Let's talk, mush all this stuff together. And it becomes this cool, you know, profile video with some music playing and some B-roll and some cool shots. It's all on how you present the package, I guess, right? Yeah, and you guys got that going for you. Like, I've seen some of your programs and they really are amazing. So who is your favorite artist to work with? I think the band Dawes was, was really cool. And, and I still talk to those guys once in a while. Just really friendly guys and really really great musicians i mean just you know standing in the in, you know in the wings watching those guys at a, at a venue it's just like 
Matt and Kim, we became, you know, I, I think I think Matt and me and Matt got thrown onto a phone call because manager just had no idea maybe who Sure was and, and really what Matt needed from Sure. So he just threw us on the phone. And me and Matt started talking about gear and said, oh, you should try this. And just both being nerds. You know, when they came to town, we, you know, we got to do an interview with them and we really just became became friends. And, and you know, they would send Christmas gifts and, and we'd go to Lollapalooza and we'd be down in the in the in the basement of the, you know, the band shell. And, and it'd be, my, you know, with my daughter and they're playing, they're blowing up balloons and playing with her and I go, I go out to, to California and go wow. to their house and like, oh, let's go out to eat, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, it's just it's cool. You know, it, it's a different side of it. And, and we don't talk about sure. And we don't talk about their music. We just talk about whatever you would talk about with your friends. And, and, and you know, I think another one would be Henry Rollins, who <laughs> I, I think I've, you know, about 12 years now, we've, we've had this relationship. He never ceases to amaze me. He'll just email me in the middle of the night. Corey. Henry, in southern Sudan, uh, here's a sure mic and a burned down church. Love it. it, it you know, and that's it. And it, he, I remember I interviewed him. God, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to ask this guy. We talked for almost an hour. And now it's like I can talk to that guy about anything. I've had him come out and, and he, he gave a pep talk to a bunch of salesmen. So they're all just freaking out. And here's Henry Rollins trying to pump him up for the year. Get out there and sell microphones. You know? he also work for sure. <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny. You know, we wanted him to do the voice for the sure thing. And he's like, yep, I'll do it. No problem. And all Henry wanted was an, a microphone to say HR58 instead of SM58. He's the brand ambassador unofficially. It definitely sounds like it. You know, I, I leave a big award show like the Grammys. And then it's like, guys, they're not all using our microphone. What are we going to do? We got to do something about this. And then I get, you know, some of the other guys involved. And now we're all here we are, you know eight o'clock at night on a Sunday talking about we're go what we're going to do and replying to these emails. And here I am going, no, come on, Lady Gaga needs a different microphone. And now there's this real short list of people that don't use sure microphones. And we're just like, we just stare at it and we stare at them. And when we see them at award shows, we're like, man, and you're listening to their vocal and you're like, <laughs> that's pretty good. But I think we could do better. I, be I bet we could. <laughs> It's like inside out where the red yeah, yeah, character kind of is. goes nuts on every little thing. That's what this reminds yeah. me of. Obviously, we can tell your passion for what you do. <clears throat> do you have any tips of the trade? You got to have personality because you're going to have to talk to a bunch of different people. And you're probably going to have to be by yourself a lot. And you're going to have to walk into a room and say, hey, how you doing? Not as a salesman, but as just somebody who's there to help to really kind of, you know, be welcoming. And you're going to meet all types of different people that aren't going to be re as receptive to that. The artist relations manager is not just the guy who's going to go to the show and hang out on the bus and give out free gear. The artist relations manager is going to have to be accountable. They're going to want to see what their investment of free gear has equated to. The last thing I would say is you need to be technical. And I think now more than ever, being being a, being somebody who can train, troubleshoot, you know, and that's another thing that I that I convey to my team is like, look, this job doesn't end, um, you know, at five o'clock on a Friday. It's going to happen on Saturday. It's going to happen on Sunday. That is all really really great stuff. It was a pleasure having you, Corey. Thank you all for tuning in. If you like what you hear, 
please give me a follow or subscribe to stay up to date on all the new episodes I will be rolling out on the setup podcast. Once again, my name is Sydney and this was the setup. See you later, guys. Thank you.